Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. On today's French Open Round 3 catch-up. Roger Federer comes through a late-night tussle. Avlachenkova stuns Sabalenka. And the grass court season gets underway in Nottingham and Stuttgart. Kim, we have reached the halfway stage at Roland Garros. We have got round four coming up and we're going to be looking back on round three today. And it's got to be, it's probably the first round that has been affected by rain, this competition. And it feels like with some of the matches we've had, particularly in this round, it's been very much straight sets regulation, quite a lot of them across the board. And I feel like as the tournament goes, as a fan, I feel like we're just waiting for week two to begin. We are, um, we have had a couple of, you know, really kind of dynamic, uh, you know, tussle kind of matches, but especially that Badosa Bogdan match, which we'll get onto later, um, to discuss. But yeah, I feel like we definitely need a bit more, more firecrackers to light up <laughs> the tournament. It hasn't been, you know, full of like those epic, uh, slam matches that you perhaps usually get a bit more of. But, um, however, it's, it's been, it's been good. We had our latest, Nighttime finish last night with Roger Federer still going well past midnight in in Paris for sure, and uh, yeah, we're here recording on on the Sunday morning, aren't we, Joel? Before the fourth round begins, and it was actually I remember this time last year was the day that Svantec beat Halep uh, and surprised the world, and uh, well, she's still going just as <laughs> 20, strong as she was. Later, she's still she's still yeah. there, just like winning. I don't think she's dropped a set yet in, in no. Roland Garros, which is which is crazy. But we will also get on to that. But yeah, let's start with Roger Federer last night um, on the night session. Uh, just before actually we get into that, that was the sixth, I think, night session match that was from the male side. Serena Williams obviously opened it, so there's been a lot of questioning with regards to that scheduling. So I don't know. I, to be honest, I feel like the nighttime match at the French Open at the moment is just like the match you do not want because you're waiting around. It's so soulless. There's no one there. And you could go and finish beyond midnight, which could, you know, disrupt your routine the next day, as as Roger Federer found out. Yeah, it's not a great, you know, it's not, there's no fans. So there's no sort of atmosphere per se you probably want to be playing in in the day and I mean that may change I think because the curfew is due to to end or to change sometime this week but yeah and also I mean when it comes to the fact that they're scheduling you know all the men's matches I would you expect anything else from the French Tennis Federation we've seen their sort of dodgy scheduling in the past and I I wouldn't expect anything less from them um but I I think it's not on I mean I think they should absolutely schedule uh, you know, more women's matches for the night session or or even, I mean, could they start the night session earlier and have, you know, two matches like every other Grand Slam does? Well, apart from Wimbledon, of course. To be honest, if I'm on the women's side, I'd I, this is the sort of inequality that actually I would be okay with because I think they're dodging yeah. a bullet by not having mm. to play the, uh, the night match at the mm. moment. Having said that, when there are fans back in, I just think they will add so much, particularly in the in the evening where it's going to be a bit more rowdy. There's going to be a bit more energy. And yeah, I think that Federer-Kupfer match that we had, it was really dramatic and played out in front of no one. I think that almost kind of benefited Kupfer in the sense that there was no no fans there and he was 
could get on sort of playing his game but it might have been a completely sort of it maybe it would have been a, a smoother story perhaps for Federer if there were fans there all kind of cheering his name and not really anyone on in the in the cut for camp yeah and um you know Roger Federer came through that in in four sets very very tight sets of three tie breaks and he mm. managed to just break Kurt for at the end of that fourth set and and then serve it out so yeah he was a bit on the ropes uh you know Kurt for won that second set and then went up you know four two in the third and might have looked a bit you know like Federer could be heading home um he wasn't you know, playing particularly great. Uh, and I feel like now his, his biggest concern really is his, his, his fitness because he said that he obviously hadn't practiced, um, for that amount of time, you know, in the run up. He hasn't had much, you know, match practice obviously leading into the tournament. So this was kind of a big test for how he was going to hold up. And I have to say, Joel, this morning, um, I was just sort of in the news, you know, saying that he may pull out of the tournament because, um, He's got to see how his how his knee is doing, and obviously he wants to save it for for Wimbledon. And it's you know perhaps this match has taken quite a big toll out of him. And obviously it would be a real shame if he does have to pull out of his if his match with Berrettini, uh, which will be tomorrow. But you know it's sort of so it seems a bit dodgy. Like can he really? Does he have any hope of of going deep in a slam if he can't last you know one long match? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean obviously Clay is on on the body clay Mm. does take its toll in a a different way to other court surfaces like grass which is a little bit softer uh but i i would say though you know federer so far i've been i've been pleasantly surprised i mean yes he lost to kind of anduhar on his kind of comeback in 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 geneva but i think in roland garros he's looked kind of pretty good and or or as best as i think we can hope from someone who's who's coming back from so much time off um from tennis and you know i think for me this sort of comeback that we've had you know after, over the last you know six weeks or whatever on, on the clay season for Federer I think it's it's one for me that is is really at odds I think with the Roger Federer we know from a few seasons ago in terms of the matches he has played they have all been very gritty I feel like mm-hmm. affairs you know this match against Kupfer the the Chilich match where he was got a time violation getting angry and um, again was sort of a four set four set job the Anduhar match as well was, you know, we, we're not seeing like serene sort of progress from one of, you know, one of the, you know, the true greats. It's all been very sort of gritty. And uh, yeah, as you said, a lot of effort has had to be kind of put into these matches. I mean, three hours, 35 minutes on court just to get from round three to round four, approaching 1am in, in Paris. You know, that that is going to take its toll on you. Yeah. And I could see him getting past Berrettini you know should his body hold up for that but can you well I could I could see him you know just maybe getting past um but he would then have Novak in the quarterfinals and 100% Federer is losing that one pretty comfortably I think so I just I, I feel like you know that is absolutely the end point for Roger Federer he would not get any further than Novak and I don't know it just sounds like he's going to decide later on today whether he said would whether now would be the perfect time to take a rest in advance of Wimbledon and I just think actually for me it's like you can't can you just choose when to rock up and play like yes you wanted some matches under your belt before going onto the grass but it's almost like it's really annoying for people like Dominic Kurpfer who put their absolute heart and soul into that match last night only for their opponent who obviously beat them to be like oh I might just pull out now I don't know I'm just for me that sounds like obviously if he's really injured and can't carry on fine but it sounds like he's just doing it more to preserve his chances for Wimbledon 
it's sort of fascinating because we know we know you know he's been very open about saying his goal is is Wimbledon and and that that is his you know main objective on on his comeback and yes he's playing the French Open and yes that's great to see because he doesn't hasn't really played it a lot um you know over the you know over recent years but he's still I think in his head if if it's getting too much he's he's happy to he's happy to kind of withdraw and although I think fans will be kind of disappointed by that I think it's it's you know given given kind of what he's said and what his aims are and his his ambitions are which are obviously firmly set on the grass court season it doesn't come as a surprise that if he's he's kind of creaking a little bit in in terms of his body and he knows that you know he's going to come up against Berrettini who's one of the you know one of the you know the fittest players on tour Djokovic potentially after that again one of the you know fittest players on tour as we already know it's it's sort of yeah I don't know I don't I don't see it as particularly kind of defeatist I think it's I think it's more he's he's obviously got some aims in his head and he wants to stick to those aims and he's in a position where he can do that you know I think there would be there would be other players who you know wouldn't be able to do that you know they would they would try and fight tooth and nail as much as much as possible but Federer has bigger ambitions and he feels that obviously his you know most likely chance of winning a Grand Slam is at Wimbledon and he doesn't want to doesn't want to put that in jeopardy yeah oh absolutely I like I know his his rationale but I just I just feel like it's a bit unfair on other players who you know I feel like if you're in a draw you've got to be in it to win it and I know there are instances where players do just like rock up to warm-up events and they think well I'll get to the quarterfinals that's fine you know I just need a couple of matches but I don't know when it comes to Grand Slam I just feel like you should be in it to win it if you're just gonna like casually pull out I just think he's treating it a bit whimsically which is such a weird, like, it's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> he, yeah, he could have played the Nottingham Challenger this week, you know, if he wanted more prep on grass. I'm just saying. Uh, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Maybe listeners will be up in arms over my comments, but <laughs> I just feel that it's not fair on players like Kupfer, who, like I said, put their heart and soul into it. And then it's like, I know obviously he didn't win. So, yes, you can say, well, he doesn't, doesn't deserve to be in the fourth round, but it's just, I don't know. I guess if you're Roger Federer, you can do what you like, but, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's been in the round of 16 so many times before. I think it's his 68th time um, in the round of 16 at a Grand Slam, which is an all-time record for most round of 16 appearances. So, yeah, maybe there are, yeah, maybe there are going to be questions to come. Maybe we're going to be chatting in our round four catch-up about Federer potentially withdrawing. But at the moment, it does sound like he's still treating the the French Open as a as a build-up and for match practice uh, ahead of the grass season. And uh, one player who's definitely not doing that is Rafa, who's obviously in it to win it. Um, he came through comfortably against Cam Norrie in a lovely symmetrical scoreline, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3. I do love it when that happens. Um, yeah, Cam, you know, he's had a great clay court season and, you know, he's been, he's been on form, like our most informed British player, I suppose, really, I suppose, over the last few months. Well, certainly on the clay. Um but he couldn't really, you know, you never thought he would have any real chance in this match. He he went a break up in the second set, but um, you know, it was it was that inevitable. Was as soon as it got, yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. he played he played he played really well, and although he lost in in straight sets, it's definitely been a a commendable performance at Roland Garros. It's been a commendable clay court season. It's been you know it's been really really impressive and you know there were a few moments in that match I you know I was watching on tv there were a few moments in that match particularly in that that second set when he he went 
a breakup uh, to lead you know two love and, and three one at the start of that second set. But you just felt at the end of the day that it was going to be sort of smooth sailing for for Nadal and the the weird Kim the weird thing for me about this match was. It was not on Philip Chatrier. It was on, um, I think it was on Suzanne Longlen. And it just didn't feel right that Rafa, it was, it's like Roger Federer playing on court one at Wimbledon. It just, it's like, yes, it happened, but it doesn't feel right when you see it on TV. They normally have one match, don't they, per tournament where um, they have to go on the other court. And I think, is it Rafa's got Yannick Sinner next? So obviously that's going to be, I assume, the night session on Chatrier. Although the day session would make more sense in terms of atmosphere, as we just were saying, but um, yeah, I think they knew that they knew this match was a you know not going to be uh, one to light up the history books. I mean, they played really late, didn't they? Him and Sinner, I feel like last last time mm. it was a yeah. it was a late match. But I mean, just talking about Norrie, um, you know, one thing I would say, I, you know, I was quite impressed with how he sort of held his own. I think from the the back of the court and his his sort of fight and aggression all the way through the match, despite the, you know, despite what looks like a regulations kind of scoreline. I think he was definitely, you know, giving it until the, you know, the very last point. Um, I did, I did think that there, you know, there's obviously kind of still things to work on. And sometimes I think he sort of panicked a little bit. I think that he came to the net quite a few times and, you know, it's quite clear his net play is needs a little bit of improvement. I think, you know, he was, he was trying to make approach shots that weren't quite coming off. And when he was playing safe, his volleying just wasn't good enough, I felt, to to help him win the point. So I think for me, as a, as a British fan, it showed me that I think there's still work to be done there, particularly if he's going to incorporate more sort of coming to the net in, into his game. But um, yeah, it's 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 been an impressive showing. And I think you know he will be looking to go up the rankings and who knows, hopefully be potentially be seeded uh, when it comes to Wimbledon. Yeah, I think he's going to be on the cusp of the top 40 after his efforts um, here. And, you know, he's reached two finals uh, in the clay season, which is fantastic. So, like, he has a lot to be proud of. And let's hope that he can continue that on the grass uh, and kind of get used to the grass. You know, obviously, (laughs) change of surface, bit of a transition. But, yeah, great stuff from Norrie. And this was, as you said, like, the, the, the best he could have hoped for, really, when looking at the draw uh, when it was made, you know, about 10 days ago now. So, um, yeah, hats off to Nori. Uh, Rafa comes through. Uh, I'll be looking forward to that cinema match, I have to say, as, as I'm sure everyone will be, because it was <laughs> that first set of their match last year in the quarterfinals was like, um, so, I mean, I'm obviously hoping Rafa wins, but I do like Yannick Sinner and I, I do think it will be a good test for him. Do you see that as a straight, straightforward three sets? tight three sets match or you, do you think Sinner could take a, take uh, a set there? Oh, I think Sinner could absolutely take a set uh, for sure or possibly two. Um, I would still be surprised if Sinner won though. I, I feel like that's not on the cards just yet. Uh, so I hope he, you know, I, I, I like Sinner, but obviously as a Rafa fan, I very much want Rafa to win that one. Um, but let's just quickly mention Novak Djokovic. He's He's been absolutely sailing through. I mean, I don't think he's broken sweat. He um he won in just over an hour and a half yesterday against Ricardus Barankis. Uh 6-1, 6-4, 6-1. He's been I mean, I I don't think I've seen much of him on the court because he's just um 
it's just been on and off in a flash, really. Uh, but he's got Lorenzo Massetti next, uh, another Italian, another young Italian who came through against Marco Cecchinato uh, in five sets. So that'll be, I guess, Novak's most interesting match, I think, so far of the tournament. It'll be really good to see how Massetti like, matches up against him. And I know Massetti might be feeling it in the legs a bit after that long match yesterday. Absolutely fascinating, the fact that you've got two of the you know, leading lights of the, you know, the ATP and Massetti and Sinner, both Italians, both coming up against members of the the big three. I mean, who just, what's your gut feel in terms of I mean, Djokovic, Massetti, Nadal, Sinner, who is, who is going to pose more problems, do you think, um, if you're in the Italian camp? Sinner, because I think Massetti, I know he's had big wins over, you know, top players, but that hasn't really been at slams and I just think you know fourth round Novak Djokovic I, I don't see him actually bringing it that much I think it will be quite easy for Novak I think that the golf inexperience will really show and I think Sinner is a bit more ahead of you know ahead in kind of his career and, and his maturity Sinner knows Rafa really well they, they were training buddies out in Australia um, I think they, they get on really well Um and I think I, I certainly think that would be the much closer match. But I may be wrong. Massetti may surprise me. Uh, he hit some cracking shots, I have to say. Oh, yesterday. I know. There were uh, some outrageous, <laughs> outrageous shots that I would not be surprised if, the, like, they felt like tournament, tor- mat, point of the tournament yeah. sort of mm-hmm. shots. They mm-hmm. were, they were absolutely obscene. And I, and I think that's what's so compelling about his game at the moment is this unpredictableness that he's able to do these sorts of shots they remind me of shots that like Nick Kyrgios would try mm. but they actually come off um no um <laughs> but um yeah no they were some of them some of the shot making against Cecchinato was so impressive and uh, yeah I think that is why he's such a, a a great player to watch at the moment because his his shot making is so pure as a as a 19 year old yes he won't have experience on his side when he comes up against Djokovic but I also think he will have no fear and that you know might it might be able to kind of catapult him to somewhere where he is testing Djokovic, like he hasn't been tested yet this tournament because so far he has just sort of come on come onto court, done his business, and been off the court in in ninety minutes three times pretty much. So I'm cert- I'm certainly expecting Musetti to um, you know be able to fight and and test Djokovic a bit harder than perhaps his opponents he has faced kind of already. But I mean, generally speaking, Italian's doing really well, um, particularly in the top half of the draw. We, you know, earmarked, you know, Musetti, Sinner, Berrettini, and they're all, they've all kind of got to where we were sort of expecting round four. So this feels like a tournament that, you know, potentially Italian tennis might look back on historically and be like, this was a big kind of turning point because it feels like they've got their juniors coming up and they're doing really well. And then you've got Berrettini who, you know, I was looking at the other day, I think he's now reached round four of all Grand Slams. So a real all court surface player. And he's done it in like only 13 Grand Slam main draw events. So again, really, really impressive and, and consistent stuff. And Federer will have his his work cut out if he gets onto court against Berrettini as well. Absolutely. Uh, and in contrast to, I guess, the, the French uh, players who have done abysmally, I think the French Tennis Federation are actually hosting a press conference or have hosted a conference uh, about <laughs> yeah. the, the poor showing of French players in this tournament. So I guess... <laughs> 
I, do you know what? I, I actually am like, you know, fair play to that because mm. we don't get that from the LTA, do no. we? No. Or <laughs> British tennis when, you know, from, you know, in yesteryear when, yeah, we were just handing out wild cards left, right and centre to to every Britain and not not doing that well. So I think, you know, fair fair play to them, but they definitely need to be looking at their pipeline in terms of where the next kind of French star is with, you know, players like Gasquet, Songa, Monfi, uh, Simon, all all pretty much on the way out now yeah exactly what's what's on the way out in french i don't know um i'm sure one of our french speaking listeners will be able to tell us um right uh let's talk about quickly the women's uh draw from yesterday because we had obviously Igor Svantec sailing through well i say sailing she had a, a tight first set with Annette Conteve but it was very one-sided after that seven six six love she has now won her last 20 sets at Roland Garros uh, into the fourth round again. So she plays Marta Kostuk uh, in in uh, the fourth round, which, you know, Kostuk's had a great tournament, but I can't see her upsetting the apple cart uh, against Sviontek for that one. No. Uh, yeah, she, for Sviontek was really, really good against Kontavite. Uh, it was it was seriously competitive, that, that first set. I think a lot of people were saying this had potential to be match, match of the tournament perhaps set of the tournament it didn't it didn't sort of carry through the whole um you know the whole two sets but certainly Sviontek showed her uh battling character um in that in that first set something that we, I don't think we've necessarily seen at Roland Garros you know a lot of her sets have been very one-sided score lines with you know bagels and, and breadsticks and she's still finding a way to throw them into matches but uh yeah it will be fascinating to see if anyone can can defeat Shiontek because it does not look like the pressure is is getting to her like uh it, you know it potentially has done with other players like Sabalenka for example um and she's just kind of rolling on through and you know the only the only sort of chink in the armor I can really see at the moment is in her in her game anyway is maybe her second serve I mean if her serve isn't doing as well and she's having to throw a few more second serves in there's I think a little bit of a an opening there for her opponent but again her second serve still been pretty handy in terms of of placement and getting the kind of the kick serve in so you know it's 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 really hard to see at the moment where the where the opportunities are going to come for for her opponents yeah for sure and um listeners may be wondering what music she's listening to for this fortnight because there was a big thing about her last year when she won Roland Garros that she was listening to Guns and Roses and coming onto court um you know with her headphones on and um this 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 tournament is Led Zeppelin apparently and she was listening to that in Rome which is when she won the title so that is a good omen I think for her this tournament and I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself but I feel like she could do a bit of a raffer and win you know four Roland Garroses in in a row is that like me being way ahead of myself but you know when Rafa first came onto the scene he was like unbeaten at Roland Garros for like you know four years or whatever and obviously Sviontek I don't think she was playing on her date she didn't win on her debut did she I think she'd already played there but um I just feel like this could be the start of something is she the queen of clay when can we start calling her the queen of clay are we even allowed to call her the queen of clay I'm not sure but <laughs> <And> she's <laughs> definitely she's making a good application at the moment I yeah think, to being her, her title uh yeah to be to be sort of clay royalty uh you know up there in the in the women's game i mean my predictions are a bit shocking generally so maybe 
scrap what I just said, but because I, I think I think no one has actually defended a Roland Garros women's title in God knows how long. So she may buck the trend. <laughs> it is one of those tournaments where you do look back, and there are a lot of random, you know, semi finalists, first time finalists, and and winners. And it is a very hard tournament to uh, to defend and. Who knows? Maybe Shvionteka is going to break that mould. It certainly doesn't look like there's any any let up at the moment. Uh, she's also still going in the doubles as well with Bethany Matic-San. So she's uh, in action, you know, on her her non-singles day playing in the doubles, which is impressive as well. Um, but another player, Joel, that has sort of, well, known for her battles, I suppose, and coming through tight, tough matches, especially at slams, is Sophia Kennan. She's still going. I think, I don't think we would have expected her to reach the fourth round based on her pre-Roland Garros kind of performances and her you know really awful season that she's been having but she came from a set down to beat Jessica Pagula um, which I thought was a a great win for Kenin and I'm really pleased to see her actually perhaps you know going quite deep here because I think she she really needs uh, you know some some good some good luck and good performances after like the rough season that she's had. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been, again, it's been very impressive from, from Kenin because she's the fourth seed. She's the top seed left in the competition. You know, the top three seeds are out. And the fact that she's there, I don't, yeah, I don't think a lot of fans would have looked at the draw, you know, pre, pre round one and said, yep, Kenin's going to be the only one of the, the top four seeds still in by, by round four. But hey, she is here. Some interesting kind of stats kind of being, talked about on Twitter with regards to her kind of lead up into um, Grand Slams and the fact that when she has brought out her best at Grand Slams, she has had terrible, terrible uh, lead ups into 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 that event. Um, for example, the Australian Open in, in 2020, which she won, she lost to she lost to Danielle Collins in Brisbane, six three six one. We all remember, uh, you know, she got to the French Open final uh in in last year and we remember she got double bageled by Azarenka in Rome love and love and again in in Rome this year she lost to Krejcikova who's having a good who's also having a good tournament um lost 6164 but also obviously kind of split up with her, her dad as a coach so there's something it's something interesting there that it's happened you know this isn't just the first time it's happened and perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that she's in round 4 because you know, she's shown in the past that when you know, whenever she's been playing terribly, or we think she's been playing terribly in the the warm up events, she's able to bring it out on the on the biggest stage of all. And I think that shows a lot about her her mentality and her approach and the fact that I think she is a big game player. You know, she might not necessarily be like a a Karolina Pliskova, you know, for example, who, you know you know, normally sort of racks up the you know, the the, the, the titles on the, the 80 on the on the WTA tour but not necessarily is able to translate that to slams well it feels like Kenin is the the complete opposite end of the spectrum yeah that's that's a very good point she, I mean she knows when to bring it doesn't she uh at, she, she brings her a game when it matters and that is the slams um I think also you know she she kind of has it where she wants it because she doesn't like having the pressure and the talk and expectation on her so the fact that she's the fourth seed and we're not really talking about her until perhaps now it's probably what she wants she doesn't want yeah. the fuss and the yeah. attention um i know i'd want that if i was her you know in, i'd want to be in that situation so yeah she may she may fly under the radar but she may you know go deep she's got maria sakari next uh who came through against elise mertens i certainly think kenan could could win that one 
um I mean, Sakari's having a, a great tournament. She actually uh, said she, she went away for a little holiday before uh, coming to Paris, which I think has obviously done done her wonders. Perhaps that's a new recipe for success. She went to a nice little Greek <laughs> island, which sounds marvelous. <laughs> so, so, so Kenin, you know her what her ideal kind of lead up to a tournament is lose really badly to a player, but Sakari's approach is have a nice have a nice little holiday, have a nice little holiday destination, um, and and chill out. Is that the is that the is that the approach? Yeah, I mean, if I had to choose one approach, I'd definitely go for Sakari's approach. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, lying on a beach, not playing tennis for for five days that that will definitely, yeah, perhaps work work magic. But um, I mean, also you just mentioned Krejcikova. She she beats Vitalina in in straight sets uh, yesterday, which was perhaps a bit of a surprise. Like the scoreline, it was six three six two. Um, but obviously she's playing really really well. Um, she had a good good run in Rome as well so yeah we'll have to see see how she uh she how she continues going through the the draw and then just a note on Sloane Stevens as well who's also still going strong uh much also to I think most people's surprise as she came through against Carolina Mukova who was in our collector set and <laughs> who I got wrong in my prediction as a result of this match uh but yeah it's nice again to see Sloane you know actually putting some match wins together and you know she is a great mover on clay like we know she can play like extremely well on this surface she's been to a final and um it's a long time coming that you know she's kind of back in this kind of vein of form is perhaps i think she's actually across both jaws is perhaps the most pleasing it's the most pleasing victories i think i'm I'm seeing as a fan at the moment is is this rise of, of sloan stevens and again she looked very very good against carolina mukova six three seven five she's reached the fourth ta- fourth round here for the seventh time she loves you know as you said i think movement is is one of her biggest strong points and it's it helps her in in paris and although her record has been not good kind of you know, coming into the, the clay season, she's really been able to build up ahead of steam and it's really been great to see. And I think she plays Coco Goff next, who came through Jennifer Brady. Jennifer Brady, unfortunately, had to retire. I think her movement was ham- hampered by her foot. Um, Coco Goff won the first set 6-1 and, and Brady kind of called it a day. But yeah, Coco Goff, Sloane Stevens, that is going to be another blockbuster encounter from two players who will, I think... I think that will be a very, I think that will, I, I don't actually know how that is going to go, but that is going to be another really fascinating matchup because I think Sloane Stevens for me has got the bit between the teeth at the moment, but I think Coco Goff has, has got the same. So, you know, they're going to be both there sort of trying to make the, make the most of, of Ash Barty withdrawing earlier on. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Rafa against Sinner, I'd say that that would be, you know, a great shout for the night match, but I, I feel like obviously they'll probably go for, for Nadal. But um, yeah, we're going to take a quick break now, but do join us in the second half. We'll be looking back on all the results from day six of the French Open. So don't go anywhere. This is The Passing Shop with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to looking at Friday's uh, turn of events from Roland Garros, which is day six of the tournament uh, and the start of the third round. So this was a bit of of a rainy day, it was a bit of interruption, um, but we still had some absolutely cracking matches. And also a bit of a shock uh, because 
the the remaining top seed in the women's draw, who's the third seed, Arena Sabalenka, she lost to Anastasia Papachenkova. Quite a bizarre scoreline, actually. She was bageled in that last set and really her game completely went off the boil. <laughs> and, you know, you just thought, oh, no, like... It was upsetting. It went south so quickly in that yeah, third set. It it really did. Uh, you know, it was 6-4, 2-6, 6-love. And Sabalenka got off to a really good start. I think she went 3-love up and then, you know, Pavs just kind of fired back and uh then you thought Sabalenka okay you, you're sorting it you're sorting yourself out now you clinch the second set 6-2 here we go you can show what you're made of show you're ready to you know go deep in a slam win those matches that you know the tricky ones and yeah just completely <laughs> did fell apart happen. yeah and what what was so for me what was so bizarre about it was they played each other in Madrid in the semi-finals and although I think Pavlichenkova was I don't think she was 100% match fit in that in that match but Sabalenka just wiped her off the court and from that from that match I was just like there is no hope in hell that that Pavlichenkova will be able to to kind of reverse that and and get her revenge but she was she was able to and again she's you know although she's not I think the you know, she has been around, she has been around for, you know, a while now, Pavlachenkova, and she's got a lot of experience behind her. And I think she used that in her, her victory against Sabalenka. I mean, she converted five of 10 break points. She fired 22 winners, only 16 unforced errors. And it was impressive, I think, how, how it came back. And I think it, again, it adds, I think, to the fact that Madrid plays very differently to Roland Garros. Um, and perhaps that, you know, the conditions, in Roland Garros, because they're different to to Madrid, maybe that didn't help Sabalenka. But you know, Pavlichenko has got Azarenka next, um, who came through in very dominating fashion, uh, which I think surprised it surprised me, surprised a lot of people. I think against Madison Keys, six two six two. So I mean, I still think Azarenka's got a very good shout here in, in going, you know, potentially to a you know quarter final, semi final, maybe even a final. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a, another sort of fascinating matchup that's that's on the cards in round four. Yeah, that's I think that's first on today. So I shall be having a, another pano chocolat and a nice cup of tea <laughs> to to that one. I'm, I've gone down the the Paola Badosa pano chocolat route uh, since I mentioned them the other day. I've I've gone out and got some. So is that um, your diet is your you're you're following the the elite elite athlete the I, elite Badosa diet there. Yep, I will. I think, you know, back in the day, I don't know if he still has it. Rafa was quite a fan of like Nutella and, uh, you know, chocolate. So it obviously works for elite level, elite level Spaniards. So I'm, I'm taking a leaf out of their book. But, um, just a note on Pavlichenkova. She did have a medical timeout in that match. So I don't know if she was also match fit in this one. Um, I don't know if Sabalenka like underestimated the match you know in the run-up based on their prior you know showing in in Madrid because it certainly didn't look like she had a plan b and I really do think she needs to work on adding a lot more variety because she can't just blast the ball and expect that to always work so maybe that's why she lost that that third set six love mm. you know she she was like you know it's she's sort of realizing nothing was working and you know she didn't have anything in her head to go to go to to kind of change it up and you know, even though she won that that second set, yeah, it, it, perhaps that is something that she needs to address because I don't think, I don't think having just one sort of game will will win you 
win your competition. I mean, we'll come on to it, but I think John Isner kind of shows that against kind of Sissipas in the sense that we know he's got a very big serve and he can he, he can hit some good ground strokes here and there, but he's quite reliant on his serve and that might get you to the second week of a Grand Slam, but it's not going to win you the competition. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree with that one. Um, Pavlyshenkova also doing quite well in the doubles. Uh, she's playing with Elena Rybakina. They're still in the, in the draw in the women's doubles. And Rybakina is also going strong in the singles as well. Um, she's got Serena Williams next. Um, she came through against Vishnina. I think Vishnina was the one that benefited from Kvitova withdrawing, if I'm right. So, you know, and obviously Vishnina's kind of newly come back from, um, like maternity essentially so yeah Rybakina doing quite well obviously I think last year at the start of the season she was on a right run and we were really talking about her and since then it's kind of stagnated a bit so it's kind of nice that she's um you know pulling together a bit of a string of wins but I can't I can't see her beating Serena Williams I think Serena's been in in, actually yeah like much better form than I thought she was going to be in she came through Collins in straight sets and I thought that one could have been a bit of a, you know, three set tussle, but I was quite impressed actually with Serena, especially, you know, I had her to lose in the first round at this tournament. So she's definitely exceeding my expectations. (laughs) I think we've seen so far with all the three Serena Williams matches, she's just been getting better and better and better with each match. And what was so impressive about that Collins victory was the fact that she was, you know, she was four one down in that second set and she won it in two and, it was, it you know, it was a point in the match where I think, you know, even someone as great as Serena Williams, I think, you know, regular fans were looking at it like, oh, you know, Collins could could go on a run here and potentially win it in three. But Serena Williams, again, just put in a very, very strong performance from a situation that, that did look a little bit perilous in that second set. And, you know, came out with, with 22 winners, um, 20, 20 unforced errors and... She's still in the competition. I think, and I think that's the, I, I genuinely think for a lot of the top seeds, that has been the, the name of the game, really. It has genuinely, I think, felt like last, last women's seed standing because everyone is, is sort of dropping like flies. You know, Svitolina, um, all those withdrawals, Barty, Osaka, Kvitova, whoever. And it's just about getting it through one match at a time. And I think, you know, you look at you look at how it's unfolding, Kim. You got to think that I, I can't genuinely think of a draw that has been opened up this much for her in terms of her reaching a final. And if she has got serious serious ambitions of 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 winning, you know, Slam twenty four, I you know, with this draw that she's got left, you, you would say that it's 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 a better chance than it's a it's a better chance than 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 the other draws that she's you know she's potentially had have got so far um since you know this this quest has become a thing yeah i i feel like it could be a shriontech serena final in which case i think that would be fascinating because you know you've got this sort of like obviously the defending champion new new kid on the block still against you know serena on her quest for 24 and it that would be a real um, I, I mean, I'd still probably give Shvontek the edge, but if Serena had got to that point still and, and was playing really well, then I just, oh, that would be, yeah, very intriguing. But I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I mean, Serena Azarenka is still a, mm, a yeah. head-to-head record. But yeah. I mean, we know that Serena, Serena's head-to-head record is pre- overall pretty good 
against Azarenka, assuming they both come through their round four matches. Uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see, but I certainly think things are opening up for Serena Williams if she can continue on this upward trajectory of, of playing better with each match, particularly, I think, coupled with her, you know, experience, obviously, at, uh, you know, the latter ends of, of to- at the latter ends of tournaments, I think that experience will really come into come into the fore in in this in this half. Where, as I said, all the all the big seeds are dropping, and in, you know we're we're not getting household names kind of coming through. And you know, one of those names that that potentially might might come through this tournament is 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 Paolo Bedosa because we've got to talk about that Bedosa Bogdan match because. I think that for me was it was match of the to- match of the tournament across both the the men's and and women's draws. I mean, Bedosa came out of it two six seven six six four. The final set, both players were playing a very very high level of tennis, and I was sort of expecting that from Bedosa. I was not expecting that from Anna Bogdan. No, exactly. She definitely brought her a game you know it's probably the best like, I mean, that I've seen her her play and and Bedosa you know she had to save a match point I think so it was not um you know she really had to dig deep and there is a thing about players who save match points who then go on to do very very well in a tournament and I just now wonder if actually this match is exactly what Bedosa needed um to kind of you know get her to that next level, dig deep, like, you know, win when you're not, not perhaps playing your best at the start of the match and turn it around. And she's got Von Drusva next. I think Bedosa can can certainly come through her. I mean, Von Drusva has been playing well and obviously is a former finalist. But um, I I just think, yeah, that last set, was it was very enthralling to watch. And perhaps for, for viewers, you know, watching on the te- telly at home, they probably wouldn't have heard particularly of both players. But it just goes to show you that you don't need to be a household name to to entertain and produce a fantastic match and um yeah it was a great level of tennis and yeah definitely for me that the match so far of the tournament that I've um most enjoyed I think and was like truly quite a level kind of competitiveness um from both players and yeah I di- really genuinely didn't know who was going to win uh, in that <laughs> last set so yeah very enjoyable match we will have to see how that progresses uh with Bedosa versus Von Drusova. I think both players will feel like they could win that. The other uh, match we've got set um, is Serana Castella versus Tamara Zidanzek. They're the two lowest ranked players left in the draw. And yeah, Castella came through Kasatkina three and two, and Zidanzek came through Sinyakova, which which surprised me because. She got bageled in that first set and and came through a very tight tie break in in the second and then won six two in the third. So you know I was, I was sort of expecting Sinyakova to to win that, but um, yeah, I mean we know I think Castella has has been a very durable opponent. I think this is her first time she's got to the uh, she's got to round four. She's sorry, this is the, her best showing at Roland Garros since two thousand nine. So shows you the level that she's been able to produce over well a decade plus which is is fantastic sort of makes me a bit sad about joe conta because i thought you know, this is certainly a part of the draw that i felt like she you know on her day if she was playing seriously good tennis i think you know this would have definitely been a part of the draw that she could have made some serious inroads in if she had been able to get past that castella hurdle in the in the first round yeah it's kind of 
you know, if she'd been in form and yeah, this, the draw would have certainly... I, I don't love the gifts there. So. Yeah, <laughs> we do speculate quite a bit, don't we? Lament uh, what could have been. But yeah, I mean, Tamara Zidanezek, she, I think, is the lowest... Is she the lowest ranked player left in the whole women's I draw? So. I think she must yeah. be. She's 85 in the world. So, you know, fantastic showing from her. And, and it's nice also because she's going on a, a sort of late career renaissance isn't she she won her only her second title like last month uh after sort of 13 odd years but you know since winning her first so yeah really nice uh for her as well though despite the fact that she did knock out Jay contra in the first round but um <laughs> uh we'll have to see how how well who comes through who comes through that one but um just a note on the men's uh, events as well from from friday uh Daniel Medvedev, routine winner over Riley Apelka. Perhaps a bit surprising that he's actually winning through pretty he's straightforward. Get to the final, isn't he? He's going to he get is, to the final, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. We should just accept <laughs> it now. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was very, very good. I mean, 4-2-4 and four, uh, to get to the fourth round. First time in his career. It was, I think the, the most surprising thing was, was how e- easy it was. I thought, I, I genuinely thought Apelka was going to, be very kind of tricky uh for Medvedev but it just did not turn out to be the case it also sounds like he's got the French crowd on his side um you know in that match there were a lot of lot of cheers for him I feel like he's he's endeared himself to the the Parisian public with this sort of his sort of approach and the fact that no one's really expecting anything from him and I think the French crowd are sort of willing for him to go on a run and you know I I think you know this match was a reminder for me that he is a good player on a clay court. It is. I don't think this is a Naomi Osaka situation, and he's not. He's not really kind of proved himself before on on this surface. He has done so. You know, he had a very good clay season in in twenty nineteen, and I think for me this this match showed that that level. And you know, perhaps he's he's rediscovered and and found his his clay court mojo um, because yeah, it's it's just going through the the draw at the moment. Very comfortably um having said that he's gonna he's coming up against a proper clay quarter next in christian garin so that might be a very stern stern test for him um after you know some routine victories kind of going into the second week a proper clay quarter <laughs> i like how he said that it's like you might be able to play on he's not muck about you're not a proper clay quarter no sounds very highbrow yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, he's a stalwart clay quarter, isn't he, Garin? Um, yeah, I mean, Medvedev lives in France, I think. He speaks French, so he probably endears, you know, the public in that way. But also, he's probably wanting to negate all of the criticism about him being the second seed. He's probably thinking, right, I'm going to get to the final now and prove them wrong and justify my seeding. Kim, he revels in the criticism. Exactly. He loves it. You know, or you can tell from his, his Twitter and his social media, his, you know, he was posting about, you know, Roland Garros in, in 2050 and it was like a photo photoshopped photo of himself um yeah he I think he re- I think he actually revels in it I don't think he gets ticked off by criticism like you know maybe other men's players do or, or whoever I think actually he, he sort of he takes it all in in good stride a bit I think a little bit maybe like like Novak Djokovic yeah and also I mean Medvedev could actually become the world number one if if he does get to the final and if Novak doesn't so that would be quite oh, interesting I mean, I haven't even talking about that I, I know I mean I really didn't feel like that was a re- re- realistic prospect um, he could be the top seed for Wimbledon but there we go although 
Will the AELTC just put Federer as top seed for for lols? Um, no, <laughs> can't do that. Be Djokovic. Um, anyway, uh, Sitspas also came through against a, another big serving, a tall American in John Isner. Uh, like you were saying earlier, I think yeah, Isner took that first set seven uh, five, but you know his his first serve did go off the boil a little bit. You know he wasn't able to. Um, perform to the same extent on his serve as he did in the first set and I think Sitspas uh, was able to take advantage of that and he was just reading the serve better as the match went on and you know that fourth set 6-1 you know John Isner had kind of checked out I think by then it was very, looking like a very foregone conclusion at that, at that at that point. Yeah definitely and we also had uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina come through against Kasper Ruud which would have been very nice for him because it was on his, uh, I think it was the day before his his 22nd birthday, a really wild ride uh, in that match with Fikina winning 7-6, 2-6, 7-6, love 6, 7-5. Um, he threw in an underarm serve as well on break point down in that fifth set to win in four hours, 35 minutes. I mean, it was a, it was a, a match that was just, it was a bonkers match. It was... Um, it really was, I think, one that you just had to be there to witness. And I think we know David Davidovich Fikina is a player who he's got a bit of a personality about him. He's, I think, sort of in that Alexander Bublik sort of mode of, of tennis. But he's really, really doing well this tournament. And, you know, to beat Rude, who has had a you know very, very good clay season, he will be very, very, um, you know, he will be very, very happy with, with how it's, you know, how it's gone over the over the first week. Yeah, I was a bit miffed because I had Casper Ruud reaching the quarterfinals uh, mm. in my predictions. But, you know, alas, Davidovich Regina obviously winning the, the crunch uh, sets and points in, in that match, you know, the two tie breaks and then 7-5 and obviously kind of went off the boil in the second and fourth sets. But um, when it mattered, he held his nerves and, and managed to come through. And I don't know how tired he'll be for his match with uh, Federico Del Bonis, uh, who is another sort of stalwart clay quarter, if ever there was one. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great, actually, because I think, you know, Davidovich Fakina, you know, we're not really talking about him as like a up and coming Spaniard, like in, in the same vein as of Carlos Alcaraz, who incidentally has lost um, to Schwartzman, I think it was. But um, yeah, or, or was it Del Bonis he lost to? I, I can't remember, but... Um, no, it would have been Schwartzman. No, it was, Schwar- it, was, yeah. it was Schwartzman. But yeah, you're, I think you're right. I think, you know, for me, he has been a player who is like, yes, he's he has sort of, sort of flowed under the radar in, in terms of his, um, you know, his 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 time on tour so far. I, I, I honestly just thought, you know, when he came on, I didn't really see a lot, you know, a lot from him in terms of, you know, this player could challenge, you know, the, the top 10. I just thought he is a good Spanish player and he probably plays quite well on clay. I think he also plays quite well on grass, actually. I, I remember watching him a little bit uh, in Queen's qualifying um, a couple of seasons ago. But yeah, it, it's it's. I think this is a tournament that has kind of shown that perhaps he is he is better than, you know, maybe a, a lot of players, you know, a lot of people give him credit for. And, and you know, he's shown that with this win uh, against Casper Ruud and... Maybe he he is a player in the future who could be who could be like a David Goffin sort of esque you know maybe top ten I don't think he's you know obviously I don't think he's top five but he certainly feels like he could be in that maybe like eight to fifteen category uh, in terms of the the rankings and 
you know, probably where, you know, Kasparud sort of, you know, sees himself at, you know, potentially at the moment. But um, yeah, a very, a very kind of pleasing victory, I think, for, for Kina, given, you know, I think given that when he kind of came onto the scene, I don't think a lot of people were, you know, shouting his name. No, that's true. Uh, he did reach, I think, the last 16 in um, the US Open last year because he beat Cam Norrie, didn't he, uh, to get there, I think. But um, we shall have to see. And um, yeah, I think that brings us to a close, really, um, for for today. And obviously, the tennis is, as we're recording this, due to start in the not-too-distant future. Matches for today, Joel, we've got Azarenka Pavlichenkova, like first on Chatrier, six pass against PCB. Then we've got Serena against Rybakina. Zverev Nishikori is the night session. Um, and then on Long Lon, you know, it's the Danzek Kostev, Andrusva Bedosa, Garin Medvedev, and then ADF against Delbonis. Amongst those, uh, you know, is there a particular one that you're most excited for? <laughs> They've really shunted ADF Delbonis to the to the graveyard slot, haven't they, on, on Long Len? Last match of the last match of the day. No. Um yeah, for me, I you know, I, I'm, I am sort of looking at Azarenka, Pavlichenko, but, but also Zverev versus Nishikuri, because I think that could be a very fun. I think that could be, a, despite there be probably being no crowd there, I think that could be a very fun night match, and I think that could go very late. I not, would not be surprised if that goes to to five sets. I think Nishikuri will have benefited from the fact that he was able to, you know, I, you know, his opponent. Uh, withdrew after uh, you know set of tennis in his, his last round so I think that would have helped him given that he, he'd played two five set matches in round one and round two so I'm looking at that match to for me as the sort of as the sort of stand standout what uh what about you see I think that match will be a run-of-the-mill win for Zverev in three oh, sets really? yeah okay. I, I don't know maybe I'm underestimating I've got, I've got my rose tinted glasses on and I think Nishikuri <laughs> is just like the player of, of yesteryear Possibly. I mean, I, I do like a bit of Pablo Carreno Buster, so I'm quite, you know, interested. <sighs> you always talk about PCB. <laughs> I'm interested to see how he does against Sitspass. Um, uh, Kim, I expect I've got to, be to win. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if, if you're saying Zverev is going to be a routine against Nishikuri, I've got to honestly say that Sitspass PCB, that for me is a routine three set job for Sitspass. Well, you never know, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, Azarenka, uh, you know, th- that match, the you know Vika Pavs uh that's uh mm. like my other one that I'm most interested for I think Serena will win comfortably um as for Zidane's at Castella I'd expect Castella to win that I'm hoping Bedosa will win against Vandrusa I'd like to see I'd like to see Bedosa uh go on a bit of a run here but um we well, shall see. has had her time she's had her time in she's the had her final, final. <laughs> yeah let, let uh, someone new come along <laughs> sorry sorry Marquetta um we're not backing you here, passing your <laughs> HQ. Um, but actually, uh, just to round up some of the other uh, events, uh, we've got some British hopes in the wheelchair event, as always. Alfie Hewitt doing the business. He's in the singles and doubles finals. So um, he had to save three match points in his semi against Gustavo Fernandez. He was 5-1 down as well in the final set. And I think he said that was, I think, the match of his life uh, afterwards. So um, he's got Shingo Kaneda in the singles final coming up and then him and Gordon Reader in the doubles final as well, playing Hude and Pfeiffer. So um, hopefully Alfie can bring home 
uh, those titles for Great Britain because unfortunately Jamie Murray is out of the men's doubles, uh, losing though to Kevin Kravitz, your favourite. Yes, come on, Kravitz. <laughs> so um, we don't mind too much, I suppose. Um, and he also lost in the double in, in the mixed with Bethany Mattox Sands, but Joe Salisbury is still in the mixed with Desiree Krawczyk. So. There is a chance for Joe as well, because uh, he lost in the in the men's as well. But um, yeah, so uh, still some possibilities for Brits. Uh, I'm going to post a collector set update today as well on our Twitter, so everyone look out for that because you can see how well you might be doing. <laughs> There's a lot of red, I have to say. I think most people have got things wrong so far, including me. <laughs> this has been like the most red I think we've seen in a collector set in since since inception. It's it's been a very hard tournament to call, hasn't it? I don't have a clue what I'm talking about because I got all of mine <laughs> wrong. So uh, it's quite a bit embarrassing. But uh, we are, there is someone, a Jen, uh, who is at tdun888 on Twitter. She could be on for five out of six. So yeah, that would be impressive if so. But um, yeah, look out for that. And uh, well, there is actually a bit more before we finish, Joel, because um, although it's very much Roland Garros, we've also got the start of the grass court season happening uh like as we speak or well t- tomorrow yeah. technically um or today rather because i think nottingham, the... no, nottingham yeah. starts today i think yeah we've got nottingham nottingham and stuttgart stuttgart starts on tuesday um i have i'm really fascinated to see the draw isn't out yet um i imagine there's been a lot of uh withdrawals and whatnot uh so i'm, I'm sort of curious to see what that draw looks like whilst the grand slam is is going on for the men but we do have the WTA 250 event in Nottingham. Joe Conta is the top seed. Uh, Alison Risk is the second seed. Donna Vekic is there. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interest. it's an interesting one because, as I said, Conta is the top seed. You would hope that she would be able to potentially do well here. Um, you know, there's not a lot of, as you can imagine, there's not a lot of, big big names there's there's definitely some players in there who are you would say a very kind of strong on grass like you know risk and and, and vekic um but i really think the you know in, from a conta perspective this is you know this really now is the opportunity to to really kind of rejuvenate and, and kickstart her season yeah she's got a decent draw you know to get to kind of like the quarters uh for sure but my eyes are on Alison Risk uh at the bottom of the draw I think you know she is such a a grass court specialist Lauren Davis as well decent on grass so a whole host of players really it's very hard to predict this one um I see Emma Raducanu's got Harriet Dart in the first round so an all British encounter and it will be interesting to see how you know, the likes of Katie Balter get on, uh, Francesca Jones. Yeah, there loads of Brits obviously in action. And it's just, it will be so nice to have grass courts back. You know, we had zero grass action last year. So um, it'll be delightful to have it on again. And we've got the challenger as well for the men um, happening at, at the same time. Uh, Andy Murray is not there, uh, most notably. Um, but we do have Dan Evans as the top seed for that one. Yeah, and and Francis TFO. So there's there's definitely players there who wouldn't necessarily be playing on the Challenger Tour, but you know they want to start their grass court season and get matches in and potentially get a competitive advantage over those players who are still left um, in in Roland Garros. I mean, Kevin Anderson's the fourth seed 
in an ATP challenger. It's like, it's, it's not, it's not your regular run of the mill challenger, is it? It's, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good draw. Um, but, uh, we'll see how that one pans out. As you said, Andy Murray is not there. He decided against taking, I think, a wild card into it. He is, I think, at the All England Club practicing ahead of Queens. So, that's that's going to be his um his sort of path into yeah in, into queens in uh well in in just over a week's time uk listeners if you're wondering where do i watch this on on tv i've been informed by at tennis on telly lee one of our uh regular contributors that the wta nottingham and birmingham events will be on bbc sport uh on the website so totally free and apparently it's the first time the BBC have covered a WTA event that isn't Eastbourne since 1997. Kim, don't ask me where, <laughs> what, what other event they put televised in 1997 was. But uh, yeah, a little factoid there from at Tennis on Telly. So thanks, Lee. I'm sure Lee will probably be able to tell us which event <laughs> yeah, it was. Ask back Lee. In... <laughs> oh, don't ask us, ask Lee. Yeah. Um, I also notice, Joel, that you've made a note, probably for my... Uh, info that Lucas Russell is in action <laughs> in Nottingham. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, so any Rafa fans listening, we, uh, yeah, that's, uh, an interesting note. Uh, we, <laughs> we won't be supporting him. <laughs> oh no, I sound evil now, don't I? But, um, there's bad blood there. You also asked me, where is, where is Katie McNally? Where, where is she? She's not playing doubles with Coco Goff. Why is Venus Williams taking her mm. place? She's in, she is in uh, Nottingham. She is in the draw as well. She plays, I think she plays a qualifier in round one. So Katie McNally, yeah, she is here. She, I don't know why she's not in, 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 in Paris, but um, yeah, she is playing on the grass in Nottingham. Indeed. Um, yeah, I can't wait for, I don't know how we're going to follow both the <laughs> French Open and all the action in Nottingham. Uh, it's great to have so much tennis, but I'm also like, Oh, I'm gonna have to have like four screens going. I don't even <laughs> own four screens. Uh so yeah, God knows how that's gonna happen. But um I think yeah, that brings us to a close for today, Joel. And we'll actually be back, I think, tomorrow night after the fourth round has finished. Although, well, if if Nadal Sinner is uh still going on. Uh, yeah. We could be a late one. We'll have to see how it if goes. If it is the night match, we would we would think so. You would think so. You would expect, wouldn't you, as a scheduler? We will have to wait and see. But yeah, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of The Passing Shot. Remember to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice to stay up to date on the French Open, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher. And you can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. If you have been enjoying listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you want to help out the show, make sure to leave us a rating and comment as well. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a follow and a like if you haven't already. And you can get in touch with us as well uh, via those social channels. And uh, you can also email the show PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And we will be back on Monday evening for our round four round by round catch up. So I hope you can join us for that. And we will see you again soon. 